0: We are so glad uh, that you have chosen to be with us to worship Jesus to celebrate Jesus' birth. I mean, we were just together yesterday, and you know, we just, we always question, you know, just if anyone's going to come back for two days in a row. But um, and we're very thankful that you are. the The video you saw is actually was actually made by a sister church of ours that was planted from St Mary's in Auckland, New Zealand, uh, that Mike Norris leads, and um. We stumbled upon that. It was just a great representation we felt like. I mean, not a a biblical representation, but it was just a great reminder of the heart of God reminding us of the joy that he finds in surprising us. And that he often moves in our life in a way that we wouldn't expect. And I started thinking as I watched that video, um, why does God like to surprise us? And and I'm not sure of the answer. I'm not going to pretend to be sure. To know why God does what God... I mean, there's times where I pretend with my kids and my wife that I pretend to know what God wants, when He wants, and how He wants it. But in general, it's, just, it's safe to bet that I don't know why God does what God does and how God does. And I don't think any of us do. But as I begin to think about it, there's certainly some assumptions we can make about God and why God loves to surprise us, why He sent Jesus the way that He sent. And I think, you know, God loves to surprise us because He's our Father, And I think that that as fathers, there are a few things that we can relate to in our understanding that might help us understand as we think about Christmas, uh, why God did what he did with Jesus, why he sent him the way he sent them. But ultimately, I think that the heart of the father is to surprise us, that he loves to surprise us. He loves to give us gifts. He loves that we're not sure what's going to happen because it causes us to trust him. And as a father, I know that I feel like that with my children. I love that they want to trust me. I want them to trust me. I love that they would think that I'm good and that I'm loving. And those are the, the attributes that I think that we can kind of associate with God as our father. Um, you know, when we look at the Old Testament, we, we look at a story of God surprisingly, in surprising ways, rescuing his children Again and again. And not in normal ways. I mean, it talks about burning bushes and pillars of smoke and pillars of fire and, and chariots of fire and, and just crazy things going on again and again as we see God's relationship with his children. We see this, this picture of God loving, loving to surprise his children in a way that they would look to him and believe that he is good and they would look to him and believe that he is caring And that He loves them. He brought them into a land that says it was flowing with milk and honey. That the grapes were the size of golf balls, and it was the most plush land in the desert, or in the the area that they lived in. Is a visible expression and reminder to us that the heart of the Father, the heart of our Father, is similar to the heart of us as fathers and as parents. And that is that we want the best for our children. We have the best for our children. You know, my children, Laura and I always argue around Christmas about this because the way I show love is through gift giving. And, and, and um, you know, and I'm not saying that I'm right when it comes to this, but uh, I mean, I'm, actually I know that I'm wrong when it comes to this, but I still do it. Um, but, but my motivation is pure. My motivation is good. My motivation is pure. You know, I want them to know, I want my children to know that I want the best for them. I want my children to know that I love them and that I'm good I'm good, and that I love them. You know, Laura says, no, you want them to like you. That's why you do it. You want them to like you. And, and maybe, maybe that's true, but, but, and I do, I do. I do want my kids to like me, absolutely. But really, you know, I think when I'm in my healthiest place, when, when I'm not needy, and, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, acting out of my wounds for my own kids to like me, or I'm going to, you know, I'm depressed or whatever, you know, I want them to know more than anything that I love them. That's why I do it. I want them to know more than anything that I'm a good dad. You know, I have good things in store for them. I only want the best for them. I only have the best for them. You know, Matthew in his gospel says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And yet when it comes to God, who's perfectly good, who's perfectly perfect in every way, who's demonstrated a history of being able to trust him. We struggle. We struggle with believing and trusting God. We struggle with believing that God is good and that God loves us. And we ask the questions based on our life circumstances, does God, does he really love me? Is God really good? And the response then from us as his children if we don't believe those things to be true is is we don't trust him and we struggle to love him and what's amazing like us like the nation of israel like god's children in all the history of the world as we mistrust god who has given us no reason to as we turn away from him to do our own thing our own way it's, his response is, is not what, what my response is often whenever my children do that to me. This is where God and I separate a little bit. It, it is his, we would expect condemnation, but we don't get condemnation, do we, from God? We would expect judgment, but we don't get God's judgment. We get love. God's response to us mistrusting him, even though we, he hasn't given us a reason to, even though he's perfectly good and perfectly loving, and has a history, a whole book written about his faithfulness, his response to us when we choose to mistrust him is love, to send, to send to us what is most precious to him, his one and only son, to give him to us as a gift, a surprise that we don't deserve. Give him without strings attached and undeserved so that we would believe. Why would he do that? Because he wants to convince us that he is good. He wants, us to, he wants to convince us that he is loving I mean, I think it must baffle God at times at our response to all that he does for us, our response to the gift of his son. I mean, it, it, I say it must baffle God. It doesn't because he's God and he's not baffled. But I think that he must be sitting up there and be going like, what else do I have to do? What else do I have to give? My love for you, there's history behind it. My love for you has is, is, is always been faithful. My goodness is without measure. And here's a gift to prove it to you. Wanting us to believe, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Let's celebrate Jesus again, remembering that God is good, that he loves us. But the proof of our belief that God is good and God is loving is not in what we say we believe, but rather in how we live. And when we live in a way, this is the amazing thing about it, is when we choose to live in a way that we believe that God is good and that God is loving, we live that way Expecting that to happen, it surprises the world. We surprise the world. We become Jesus. The very surprise that we're given, we unwrap for the world to see. And we've seen that. We've seen that in our church during testimony time. Someone comes up and they share how God's goodness and how God's favor in their life and how God showed his love to them in a way that is unimaginable. And you're sitting in the audience and you're half, you're, you're wondering like, oh my, that guy was a, that, he was a jack wagon. I can't believe that's happened in his life. That's amazing. I'm so surprised, right? You, you did that with me all the time. I can't believe that. God would choose Antley to lead a church. That's, a, that's surprising to me. That's very surprising to me. We see it in our children from time to time. It's so exciting to see what life can be, what life looks like, but the proof is in the response of the world and those around us at the surprise of what God has done in our life. You know, secondly, I think that not only does God want us to surprise us so that we know that he's good, know that he's loving, but as His children, he wants us even more than that to trust him Again, not, and I would say not only trust Him as good, not only trust Him as loving, but that we would trust Him, that we would trust that He has the ability to change our life, that He has the power to change our life, that He, that he, has the, that he can do something in our life that is real, unlike anyone or anything could change or do or make happen in our life. He wants us to trust that He has the power to rescue us from our enemies, he wants us to trust that when he sees our pain, that we would come to him. He wants us to trust that he can take our pain, that he can meet us in our suffering, that ultimately that he can affect the troubles that we're experiencing in life in a real way. He wants us to trust that he can change our brokenness into healing our sinfulness into righteousness. You know, the hardest times in my life as a father um, have come as, as I've seen my children suffering and have been powerless to do anything about it. I know, I, I look at the audience and all the moms are nodding and the guys, the dads aren't, but we know you're nodding inside, guys. The moms are like, I know, I see that every day. The hardest times in our life, I remember when, when my um, second son, Cole, broke his femur skateboarding. Yeah, he was skateboarding with his brothers, which you might expect, but they were going down a hill on the same skateboard. <laughs> I know. Surprise! Yeah, thanks, God, for that one. <laughs> I can't believe I broke my leg with my two other brothers going down a hill on my skateboard. You know, but he, he broke... He, he, he broke, it's the most painful bone in your body to break, right? He, so he broke his femur. And uh, I, I remember I was on a flight. I had to turn around and come back. I was going fishing. I had to turn around and come back. And I remember praying unlike I'd ever prayed before because I had hurt him. He kind of went into shock. He was in significant pain. I remember calling everyone I knew to pray for him to be healed, unlike I would ever prayed before, ever in my life. And I was feeling so desperate. I was feeling so desperate. I was praying for a miracle. I was praying in a way that I'd never prayed, looking to God in a way that I'd never looked, wanting to change what was happening to him because of the pain I saw. I mean, it would have been good for church attendance. We were just starting off then. You know, it would have been good for a lot of other reasons. But I wasn't praying to make God look good. I wasn't praying so that we would get to talk about it and there would be a testimony. I wasn't praying for church attendance. I was praying because I saw my son suffering, my son who was in pain that I loved and I wanted to fix him. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and he wasn't healed. His bone wasn't fixed. He had to have surgery and went through a long process. But seeing him in that situation and the pain and the suffering and being powerless in that was very difficult as a father, as as it would be for any of us. You know, when Blake, my other son, broke his arm, the same kind of thing, double break, emergency room, I'm like, give him morphine, more morphine. He has to go in an ambulance. Great. I don't care what the cost is. Let's get in the ambulance. Let's go. So we can watch TV on the way to Baptist or whatever. You know, and then last Thanksgiving when Grace broke her arm. I know all my kids break bones. It's not my fault. We're risk takers a little bit. Just like in church, we say wear a crash helmet to the dinner table, not a tie or a shirt. But, um, But, you know, it's difficult. And if, if you even, to see your kids in pain like that, to see and not have any power, not be able to change anything. You love them, you're good, but you can't change what's happening necessarily. And when you bring the emotional factors in of what your children will go through and what you see your children go through, you know, if it's them being hurt in a relationship with a friend or a boyfriend or girlfriend that hurts their heart, or them being bullied and hurt in school, or with, you know, or even being bullied and hurt by other teachers or coaches, And you're just like, you can't do anything. And you're just kind of present with them, but not really being, you don't have the power to change that. You don't have the power to bring healing to that. But God, he loves to surprise us in this area. He loves that we would trust that he does have the power to heal our pain. He does have the power to move into our brokenness and not just move in because he's loving and good, but to heal us of our broken relationships, to heal us in our broken marriages, to heal us in our broken families, to heal us physically, to heal us emotionally and spiritually in every way. He doesn't just say the right things to us. He doesn't, you know, you know hoping that things will feel better or make a difference. He surprises us. And what does he do? What's his response to our pain, our, pain, our brokenness, and our wandering away from him? He says, Jesus, that's his response. He comes to be with us, to walk with us, to do life with us. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. The visible expression of the invisible God that has the power to make a difference. You know, Jesus says things like this. You know, I have come. Why is Jesus? I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to give you rest. I've come that you might have life and that you would have the best life possible. I've come to restore and to heal every part of all of you. It's not that our life works better with Jesus. It's that life doesn't work at all without him. You know, David, in his sermon yesterday, where he took away everything I was going to preach on today, he he said a great statement. He said, Jesus is not the reason for the season. He is the reason for everything. Everything. Jesus is the reason for everything. Jesus came to make right everything in your life, everything in our life that has become wrong, that has caused us pain, that is broken. The reason we can trust him though, the reason that we can trust him and trust that he is good and he is loving is because of an even bigger surprise that he caused to happen. A cosmic surprise, you might say. A surprise that's bigger than Jesus' birth. God the perfect loving father chose to do nothing when Jesus, his good and perfect and loving son, was suffering and dying. Jesus, think about that. God, the perfect father, Jesus, the perfect son, this is the biggest surprise of all, that he chose to do nothing when he was suffering and dying. Yet when he sees our pain, He sees our suffering. He sees our brokenness. He moves towards us. He moves towards us by sending Jesus as a demonstration of his love for us, of a demonstration that he is good, inviting us to trust him. What more could he do? He sees Jesus, his pain and his suffering, his brokenness, and leaves him to die for us, for me, for you, for all of us, for the world so that there would be nothing left in the way of him surprising us for eternity, for him showing us for eternity how much he loves us, how good he is. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come to him and eat with him and he with me. You know, to enjoy the surprise of Jesus... To, to enjoy the surprise of Christmas, this Christmas, we have to open the door and let Jesus in. For some, it might be for the first time. You might have been drugged here. You thought you were going to a, you know, a Christmas Eve movie, and you are here, and you don't want to be here. But your life is broken, it's jacked up, and you need Jesus to move in. It's as easy as opening the door. And I pray that every gift you open tomorrow, there will be unrest in your heart until you open this one, the door to your heart to allow Jesus to come in. And For many of us, we've heard this story, we've heard this verse, and for whatever reason, like I said at the beginning, it's just become a religious practice in our life, a ritual before we open the gifts of celebrating Jesus. And the sense I have is that Jesus is wanting to surprise those of us who have known him more than ever. He wants to surprise us again. He wants you to invite him in to surprise you for the rest of your life, trusting him in a way that you never trusted him, experiencing his love in a way that you've never experienced him in his goodness, in a way you've never experienced it. I encourage you this Christmas season to open the door or the gift and to enjoy the surprise that Jesus has come to bring each one of us. Let's pray. We're going to stand for another few worship songs as we respond the good news of Jesus Christ. Stand. You know, is that shepherds saw Jesus for the first time, it says their response was worship. It says that they went away praising Jesus, baby Jesus. He hadn't done anything yet. Yet their response to the truth about Jesus as the Messiah, the rescuer, the lover, the one who is good, is to worship him. And so as we leave tonight, it's with that in mind, our heart and our hope is that this would be the beginning of you worshiping Jesus for the first time if you've known him, or maybe worshiping Jesus for the first time if you haven't. Father, we invite you to come now through the power of your spirit to fill us with the hope that comes in knowing your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would move this Christmas season us into a place of opening the door and receiving Jesus again or receiving Jesus for the first time, just come Holy Spirit now, fill our hearts with the goodness that comes from you as our Father. Fill our hearts with your love, Father, that we would trust you and live in a way that the world would be surprised.